No one likes to feel stuck, especially by your cloud. But the IBM cloud is the most open and secure public cloud for business. It can manage all your apps and data anywhere. Smart loves problems. IBM, let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash flexible. This is The Sporting Life on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Here's Jeremy Schapp. An historic week in the nation's capital. A Washington baseball team winning the World Series for the first time in 95 years. It's also the first victory in the World Series for a franchise that started life as the Montreal Expos half a century ago. And frankly, there's no one I would rather discuss this victory with, the developments in this World Series with, than the legendary baseball writer from the Washington Post, the author of such classics as How Life Imitates the World Series, Why Time Begins on Opening Day, Favorite books from my uh, um, misspent youth. It's a pleasure to welcome <laughs> to the show the great Washington Post columnist, Thomas Boswell. No one is more closely associated with the national pastime in the national in our nation's capital than you. You've been covering baseball and sports for the Post for 50 years, um, as long as this franchise has existed, going back to its previous <laughs> incarnation. What, you know, it, the way they did it, I mean, how do you even wrap your head around and try to, as you did in your column in the aftermath of the Game 7 victory, make sense of it all? Uh, I'm beginning to understand that this may be the biggest upset in worlds in baseball history, particularly if you isolate that to postseason. Mm. Uh, it's, people are figuring out now that there were only two uh, bigger favorites that were ever upset in 1946 and 1990, you know, when the Reds won. Uh, so uh, Houston was the third biggest favorite ever to get upset. But well, I'm surprised. I, I, I would have thought the Orioles in 69 would have been right there. You know, what did they win? 106 games that year, something like that against the, I mean, the yep. Mets had won 100 games. So they were a great team, but you know, they were, but anyway, yeah, I'm sure you're right. Well, and apparently they have gambling odds back even as far as the 1919 Chicago Black Sox, who were not as big a favorite why. as Houston. Now, now where this is all from ESPN, see, so it must be right. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Tom. Also, I would I would note that in the last three years, the Astros have won more regular season games in three years than any team in Major League history. Mm. And uh, the team they edged out was the Orioles from 69 to 71. But the Nats didn't just beat the Orioles. I mean, the Astros, 107 wins. They also beat the Dodgers, 106 wins. Right. And they didn't come into it as a normal division winner. They came in as a wild card winner. So they had to win a wild card game against a good team and Josh Hader to get in. And But the most amazing thing, and the thing we really probably – odds are we won't see it in the next 95 years, is a team that wins five elimination games amazing. and trails in all five of them. Amazing. Utterly amazing. We're speaking with Tom Boswell from the Washington Post, the author of one of the greatest baseball books, several of the greatest baseball books ever written, uh, How Life Imitates the World Series, Why Time Begins on Opening Day. You've been waiting for this. You're not just a Washington Post guy for half a century. You're a Washington guy. You you grew up there. Uh, you're 72 now. Did you think you'd ever see this day? Well, I uh, probably became a baseball fan in about 1955 and a nut in 1956. So from 1955 to 2012, whatever that is, 56 or 57 seasons, Washington had one winning baseball team. Mm. We had 33. We had 33 years without a team. We had 15. We had 
umpteen years before that with no winning teams. And then even after the national, the Expos and become, became the Nationals, they didn't win then. So it, it is a bit bizarre to grow up on a team that's a joke and, and always horrible and then be one of the people for the 33 years that Washington didn't have a team. About 30 of those years, I was either a young reporter with that as one of the things I covered. And then for you know 25 years, I was one of the people along with Shirley Povich, a friend of your dad's, mm-hmm. um, who was a huge proponent of getting baseball back for D.C. Uh, Shirley would always say, this is the nation's capital. What are we, Chattanooga? <laughs> Nothing against Chattanooga, of course. No, um, no, no, no. But, but uh, um, the uh, the Nats, the uh, old senators used to play on coming north in Chattanooga every year. So it was anyway. That, we'll now, I, I mean, time. You know, there were so many things that were remarkable about uh, the way the Nationals not only won the World Series, but as you said, got to the World Series to begin with, and it starts. Long before the season itself starts, when the guy who has been the face of the franchise for seven years decamps for Philadelphia, um, you know, and then at the beginning of the season, the struggles this team had. How did how did Dave Martinez mold this team into the champion it became? Well, there are two elements there. There are probably at least 10 things that if they didn't happen, uh, the Nationals would not have won the World Series, including picking up an unwanted relief pitcher, Daniel Hudson, who's just merely a pretty good relief pitcher and then had a wonderful run from then on. But one of those 10 things is Bryce Harper leaving. The reason for that is not primarily uh, any personality issues or clubhouse issues. He was just fine in the in the clubhouse. The big thing was if you spend $300 million or more, you don't have the money to get Patrick Corbin, who won the game last night for $140 million, right. and get everybody else they got, two new catchers, both of them really outstanding, and a, and a bunch of other players. You just can't do both. And uh, you can have a team with, with good chemistry with Bryce, but I do not think that you can probably have a team with this fabulous team chemistry with Bryce because he really is a, uh, a brand, you know, a self-branding guy. Uh, but I don't think this is, this is a Harper day. Uh, the, uh, the Dave Martinez question. Um, he came into a team that Dusty Baker had taken to more than 95 wins two years in a row, and he was expected to take this team deep last year when it had Harper, and they went 82-80. and 80. That's a lot of built-in disappointment. He is also not a self-serving, glib, joke-making guy who appeals to the uh, public or reporters. He is directly – he only cares about his players. So he starts this year 19-31. and 31. So he can work it out. Now he's almost 200 games into his career as a manager. He's not a flashy guy, and he's 10 games under 500. But the entire town of Washington wanted him fired. I don't think I have ever written a column in my life saying a manager should be fired. I think that's the business of the team. If they hired a guy who's a bum, let them worry about firing him. <laughs> it's not my – but I actually wrote a column saying Dave Martinez is a wonderful guy. He is a wonderful clubhouse chemistry builder he's this good thing he's that bad good thing on the other hand i think you probably need to fire this guy (laughs) (laughs) proving that sports writers know everything (laughs) yeah sure sure and and people all over the country were not only saying i mean people were saying of course dave martinez should be fired but what the nats are such a hopeless cause and i read this everywhere they should trade anthony rendon 
They should look at because he's in his walk year. They should look into trading Max Scherzer while he still has a couple of years on his contract and has max value. This is the time for the total teardown and rebuild. And, you know, come on, don't you see this, Nationals? And I got to say, uh, when the uh, the Nats came home from a road trip in which they lost four of the most hideous games to the Mets you'll ever see, with the bullpen blowing up every day, I with the bullpen on the way, with the bullpen on the way to finishing the season as one of the five worst bullpens in the last fifty years, the biggest shock was that Mike Rizzo, the general manager, stood with Martinez and just said. This is my guy. This guy isn't just an okay manager. He's a really good manager. He is doing just what we want him to do. And uh, to whatever degree uh, Riz really believed that, well, he certainly really believed it, but man, there were doubts throughout the whole organization. And everybody was kind of saying, geez, uh, you know, is this all a a big mistake? Is this the end of a a really wonderful period for the Nats starting in 2012? You know, they have the second most wins in baseball in the last seven years. And there were people saying, wow, this is the end of our really good run. And then it turns out, gee, it's injured players that are the reason. They didn't have one. So at the same time, simultaneously, they went to a series in Milwaukee. They didn't have Rendon. They didn't have Soto. They didn't have Trey Turner for 40 games. They didn't have Ryan Zimmerman. They didn't have all of their starting pitching staff intact. And they only had two relief pitchers who still ended up on the team in the World Series because all the others were so awful, they got rid of them. So they had to do an amazing – they got healthy, and then they added pieces. We're speaking with Thomas Boswell of the Washington Post, the legendary baseball writer who's been covering the game for half a century in the nation's capital. Um, and, you know, Tom, one of the uh, elements of this story, I mean, there was so much going on. There was the Taubman story before the series started, the Houston assistant general manager suddenly uh, in the minds of many, uh, you know, the, the Nationals became um, – the team a lot of people wanted to see win because they were upset with the way the Astros handled that story. But there are other elements as well. And one of the interesting things here is Steven Strasburg, 10 years after being the number one overall pick, uh, the guy was expected to become Bob Feller or Walter Johnson, who didn't quite get there. Very good pitcher, you know, an all-star a couple times, but not a Scherzer, not a Verlander, not a Kershaw being the World Series MVP. Is this is this in some way the redemption of Steven Strasburg? Um, I thought one of the um, almost noble decisions that I've ever seen a professional sports team make, and the list of noble decisions by professional sports teams would be so short that it's uh, you, you know it, it's uh, uh, an odd distinction. But shutting down Strasbourg was one of the most ethical things I've ever seen in 2012 do because. In 2012, he was a kid. He was coming back from elbow surgery. He was, uh, they had an innings limit that they had determined. This is our protocol for handling people coming back from Tommy John surgery. The previous year, almost to the day, a year before Jordan Zimmerman, one of their top pitchers, had had the same injury. They used the same protocol for him in spring training. They, when they had never had a winning team, they said, we're going to do the same thing with Strasburg that we did with Jordan Zimmerman last year. This is how we do it. We'll be shutting him down later in the season uh, for his own good. And they did exactly what they said they were going to do. 
And the core of this is that a young player has a right to two things. He has a right to play out his fate as an athlete, show what he can do, have those experiences. That's the game part. And on the business part, he has a right to see if he can make the money that his talent, you know, can bring him. And at a time when most teams would have done what the Mets did with, uh, with Harvey, uh, the Nats refused to do uh, with Strasburg. They said, we're going to protect this young, great talent, even though the whole world of baseball is going to dump on us. And there were only two people in the Nats organization who wanted to do this. Davey Johnson, the manager, was not one of them. He, I love Davey, but he desperately wanted to win another World Series so he'd get into the Hall of Fame. The only two people were Mike Rizzo, the general manager, and Ted Lerner, who at that time was 87 years old, mm. and you would think he would want to win. Hey, I wanna, I'm, I'm not young. I want to see this guy win. And those two people were the only two that said, we are going to do the right thing by this young man. And it helped them sign numerous other players over the years because the Nationals have a reputation for treating people. Everybody says we're a family. The Nats actually do it and act like it. And when Strasburg did sign a seven-year extension with the Nationals, one of the things he said was he didn't understand it at the time it happened, but he really appreciated what the team had done to make sure that he had a full career. And this is, you know, it's a little morality play that he should be the most valuable player in the World Series because the knock was the Nats will never get back to another World Series. This is their chance. And yet it turns out that sure, that Strasburg's been able to pitch in four postseasons since then and has one of the, is building one of the best postseason pitching records in baseball history. It's a remarkable part of a remarkable story for the Washington Nationals as they celebrate their first ever World Series victory. The first in D.C. in 95 years. Someone who's been around uh, to see most of the history of baseball in Washington covering the game for the last 50 years for the Washington Post, Tom Boswell. Tom, thanks so much for joining us and uh, enjoy the celebration. It's a pleasure, Jeremy, and I'll see you down the line. I'm Jeremy Schapp. And you can listen to new editions of The Sporting Life every Saturday and Sunday morning on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, beginning at 6 a.m. Eastern Time.